Welcome to the My World Podcast. I'm your host, Yumba Mutwale, and I'm here with the amazing Yapa, <laughs> my co-host. How are you doing, Yapa? I'm well, Yumba. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And welcome. Welcome to the new month. It is. And it's it's a special month for me because it's the last, my, my last month as a young person. Really? As a younger person? No, as a young person. As in statistically really? 35 is adult now in Zambia. So this nice. is the last month. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. I hope we have our monies in order. We dealt with that a while back. Yes. We dealt with that a while back. <laughs> I'm fine. And yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> okay, perfect. per annum in interest when you invest with Premier Credit. Visit www.premiercredit.co.zm to start investing today. So welcome to My World Podcast brought to you by Premier Credit. You are back on once again an episode looking at the markets and how it affects you as an individual, how October feared in terms of economic wise and we'll jump right into it. So the brilliant Munyum Bamtuale will take us through economic highlights in relation to um, inflation trade, the bond auction, and everything related to fuel and how it affects you and your money. Munyumba, take it up. Thank you very much. So October has been one of these months where a lot was looking positive, but we have seen a few shakes and mainly because of the global environment creeping in to Zambia, but we're still seeing a resilient economy. That's one of the things we've been. So if we start with inflation, we were all predicting that inflation would go above 10%. But I think one of the things that caught us off surprise was inflation actually came in 9.7%. So everybody was looking at it. And I had my inflation outlook for the end of the year, somewhere around 11, 12%. But I think we've had a surprise with, um, with what's it called, with uh, transportation costs. Transportation costs were actually deflationary for last month and the month before. And that's a shock to everyone because last month we saw a fuel price hike, quite a muscular one, and then we've seen another one creeping in as well. So we're wondering, has the fuel price not yet transmitted into transportation costs or were the transportation costs already so high that they were okay with these fuel price hikes? But as it stands, if we see if we see transportation costs not rising, and I think we saw an announcement recently by the bus drivers and taxi operators association that they're not going to increase the fees we're probably going to see inflation end this year somewhere around nine percent and we're probably going to see it sorry 9.5 to about 10.5 percent and that's that's good for the growth part of the economy uh whether it's the stock market whether it's the the high yielding instruments whether you're trying to go into things like peer-to-peer those are the parts that you can actually see um where the, the, the parts that require low inflation and high economic growth, because we do have growing numbers on our GDP and our PMIs are still doing quite healthy. That's the good side of it. Now, the downside, or not really the downside, but I think the slump side is that those who are expecting maybe interest rates to take off and to go up, the problem I think you'll see is that low inflation holds interest rates down. It anchors. So I think for now, the combination of government not really borrowing too much and they're trying to control their spending 
and to spend from what they're earning and also getting concessional loans from places like the World Bank. While in the throes of low inflation, you're seeing that there isn't much appetite to take rates up. Now, what does this mean for somebody who's investing? I just want to give that piece of advice is that when you're seeing this kind of situation where interest rates are still up, mainly because of uncertainty with debt, you've got all sorts of things. And we'll go to that in the bond auction. It means it's time to pile in because this is the time you're getting elevated rates with low inflation. That's a good what we call a real yield where you subtract the interest rate minus inflation. That's a strong yield that you're getting on your bond. Real monetary growth. The only thing that's obviously hanging on the horizon is once that debt gets settled, that means offshore investors can come back into the Zambian market and they push interest rates down. So it's it gives you a window from now till the end of the year or at least till the first quarter of next year to pile into your bonds, especially the two, three and five year Grab as much of the yields as you can and then go back to the regular investment style. So the one thing I'll tell people for Christmas is buy bonds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> buy bonds. Whatever you do. That's... With your 13th check with your gratuities and your bonuses, just buy a bond. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the time to start piling into them uh, because of this little window. So the, the inflation numbers have given us a surprise. Should it continue? Um, 10.5% inflation is much lower than what I expected, especially to the end of the year. If we come in at 10.5% or somewhere between 9.5%, that's very good, especially as the inflation uh, valley kicks in. Remember that we're coming out of the valley and we're going into the inflation hill, which is November, December, January, February, the most inflationary months of the year. The next thing that we got was trade data because we always get those at the same time. Now, while we got a positive surprise on inflation, we got a negative surprise on trade. So we were all expecting that our trade would actually pick us up very well. So trade is a mixed story. So first thing is that we got the lowest trade surplus in the last, I think in the last 18 months. So we got $69 million in terms of net exports. Uh, And as a country that puts pressure on our exchange rate, it starts to put pressure on our activity and even job creation starts to put pressure. And the key triggers for that were slow growth in copper. We only had $615 million worth of copper output which is going to put a hang on any of the copper-related stocks for now. It puts a short-term hang on any of those. Those are the explosives companies, the electricity companies, and also the copper stocks themselves. They kind of of look offset by that. So $615 million, which is the lowest since mid-2021 of that. And then we also saw a recovery in consumer goods imports. Now, remember, we had a very strong quarter in September. So because of that very strong quacha, consumer goods imports did very well. And also because the rand has gotten so cheap, buying from South Africa has gotten really cheap mm. um, for a long time. So think about it this way. It's prices from South Africa have really come down. And South Africa is benefiting from this, by the way. Yes. While Zambia has increased its net imports, South Africa's net import exports jumped from $7 billion to $19 billion in the last month because of how weak their currency is. So they're really benefiting from this. So that weakness, like I said, the weakness in the RAND, the strength of the quacha all bubbled into shrinking the, the surplus uh, on that side. But there are, some, there are some good spots when it comes to our trade data. Um, food exports, agricultural exports are really doing good. Still $90 million worth of agricultural exports, especially grain exports and food export. So we should see agricultural economic growth. So therefore, if you're holding on to agri-processing stocks, your Zambia sugar, your Zambia, that's a good time. They're showing you that the agri-export market, and it's on track to do $900 million by the end of this year, which is going to be a record. It's going to beat last year and beat many other years. And non-traditional exports are on track for $3 billion. 
worth at the end of the year. So Zambia is actually doing the export diversification a little bit well. While copper is slumping, that is good. So in trade, in the short term, your agricultural products, good story. Um, those who are import related, like butter shoes, they rely on South Africa to try and get their shoes in. That means that they've gotten some cheaper shoes that can get into the market, especially for festive season and for after school, for back to school. So they're prepping for those seasons already with a very cheap brand on their books, and that should help them with their profitability. But those stocks that are linked to copper, in the short run, I think they're going to have a little bit of a problem, be it your African explosive, copper belt energy, and, and, and ZCCM once it gets through its whatever it's going, whatever seems to be happening. Because there's always a new drama in that stock. Yes, I think then we have seen that. It's perpetual. But I will give you that um, copper-related stocks will probably pick up in the medium term. You have to be patient. The reason is electric cars have proven that even with a slumping global infrastructure and housing environment, where people are not create people are not uh, building houses as much as they used to because of the high mortgage rates. American mortgage rates are at a 40-year high of 7.9%, but at a 20-year high, sorry, of 7.19%. You are seeing that that electric cars have come in to fill in the gap. And the growth of electric cars, the, the speed at which they're producing them, and also the green revolution has actually now filled in the gap of copper demand. And therefore, I think that probably in the next three to five years, we're going to see that growth outpace anything that's happened in the housing market. So from that perspective, in terms of your trade and your inflation, for now, we're seeing a bit of a slowdown. Some steam has been lost in trade, but there's still some optimism coming out, especially going into 2023. If you can just see beyond the immediate hurdles and probably the recession, there's a global recession that's probably going to happen in the next six to nine months. It's going to be a shallow one because America still is rich with jobs. They just reported yesterday that they've still got 10 million job openings in the country. They've got more openings than people looking for work. So that's the real issue there. Whilst we've uh, looked at that, I think we we need to look at what has been trending the past couple of months. Well, I think if, I think. First thing we'll, we'll touch into before we start dealing with that issue uh, <laughs> is, uh, is I think there was a bond auction as well. There was a bond auction, yes. Now, the bond auction came off the high of the 2.6 billion fully subscribed bond auction that came before in September. So everyone was really excited thinking it's going we to be the confidence. same, yeah. No, it just returned back to normal. It showed that that bond auction was a once-off. Um, and simply because what had happened in that bond auction was the euro bond holders who were uncomfortable with the potential haircut to their euro bonds, sold their euro bonds at a heavy discount, put their money into Zambia. That's why you saw the exchange rates yes, come down from 15.9 yes. to 15.4. That was a rush of dollars that came into our country, then injected that into the 10-year bond. And that's why we saw 600 million kwacha worth of performance in the 10-year bond. So that's what was happening there. Now, without them anymore, it just deflated back to where it was. And we saw the second worst bond auction that we saw, that we've seen. Uh, 871 million kwacha, which is only about 34% of the full subscription. Most of that was done between the two and the three year. And if you're looking at two, three and five year combined, 78% of the money was raised just between those. The bottom half just literally did not perform at all. Interest rates barely moved. So you could see it was people just using the last bidding prices coming back in again. Mm -hmm. It was the regulars. This 870 million was just the regulars playing the game. And interest rates, like I said, interest rate hasn't moved because it's the regulars who are just sticking to what they know, piling in where they can. And I think the other part, which will probably lead into it, is that one of the big players on the market has now become cautious yes. about coming into the, sec the, the back end of bonds and trying to buy up too many bonds. So in terms of bond auctions, you're probably going to see this trend occurring. That's why I said now is the time to pile in. If you've got the extra savings, buy them. This is when they're elevated. 
What you don't want to do is catch them when they're now coming down because the offshore players are now starting to come back in. Because maybe they've now re-rated Zambia. Because what's keeping people out of Zambia is that uh, we're still in default rating on our international bonds. So that's put us at risk status. But when when, when that goes away, that gives a clear gap for anyone who wants to come into Zambia, pile their money in. Because I have been seeing emerging markets uh, bonds in general have actually been rallying because people with high inflation are looking for where to invest. So that's part of it now. So can we jump into the hot topic now? Now we can go to the hot take, the big hot take. Okay, so Munyumba, cabinet approved in principle the introduction of a bill parliament to amend the National Pension Scheme Act number 40 of 1996 as to provide members of the scheme an option to access part of the contributions before retirement. And yes, we're talking about the NAPSA partial withdrawals from their retirement contributions. This has sparked quite the conversation. We have seen the majority of people celebrating this move. They're for it. And we have seen financial advisors, maybe like you and I, that, you know, we are excited, but then we do have some form of anxiety on behalf of everyone else saying, is this really something that you should be overexcited about? And also, if you're excited, how can we regulate your excitement in in, in relation to how do you spend your money? The truth of the matter is that the, the concerns are valid. The concerns that we've heard or the reasoning as to why people are excited to access part of their money or the reasons are valid. So can we address some of those concerns? I think part of the reason why you've got this desire to access pension money is because one, the pension system has not been great. Two, the labor markets have really been bad. And three, interest markets have been even worse. Access to credit and and the price of credit has been very painful to a lot of people. So if you take these three things into consideration, let's start with the first one, the pension industry. Over the history of this country, we have had multiple pensions. And I think, unfortunately, NAPSA is the brand that we all know. So all the negative news to do with pensions has to do with NAPSA. But it's a genuine concern. Look, you can say it even about people in dating. You know, you've been burnt by one person. You carry those scars into every other relationship. Whether that's healthy or not, that's a different conversation to have, but it is a genuine thing. So a lot of people struggled with what was called National Provident Fund. That was NAPSA's predecessor. That was what was there before 96. NAPSA only started in 2001, actually. There was no NAPSA operational. The act was there in 96, but we had Zambia National Provident Fund. And that was that that scheme fell apart. It wasn't able to pay anyone. And a lot of the people we've been seeing up to this date are actually people who have crossed over from Zambia National Provident Fund, who basically handed NAPSA this bill to say pay these pensions and gave them almost no assets to deal with it. So that's that's problem number one. And then the other one is the other types of pensions that are there. So we've got remember, we've got four government run pension systems running. We've got NAPSA which is statutory for everyone. Number two, we've got public service pension fund. Now remember, because we were were a socialist state before everyone was employed under the government, so there's public service pension fund, which also now carries the liability for public sector workers, all those who are in the public sector. Those are the people who a lot of the ones you haven't seen paid have also got to do with public service pension fund because the government was not funding their pension. And that's the unfortunate thing. No one can hold the government to task on that part for not funding pension. That's a different story. The third one is local superannuation, which deals with local council workers. So you had people who are now hired by the local council, and even that one 
was grossly underfunded for a long time and probably still is. And it's behind on payments. And then there's Napsa, who's the new kid on the block, who now everyone knows. And so every bad thing with pension is now pointed at Napsa. When the first thing I always ask people is when somebody hasn't gotten their pension, the first thing I'll say is, which pension scheme were you under? I've actually found that people didn't even know. They, they won't even know. Unfortunately, we never educated people on pension. You just, you just start taking money from somebody's check without actually talking to them. And I think where the genuine concern comes from with this is if you go to a country like the United States, pension is not mandatory there. 401k plans and Roth IRAs, they're not mandatory, uh, but yet 56% of the country actually invests their money in those and they utilize them. Why? Because it's a culture. I think this is the number one core problem with the pension system in Zambia. Pension in Zambia is a law. While in countries where it thrives, it's a culture. And this is where the battle has come. We've forced a law onto people who are not carrying that culture. And then we've backfired on it. Yes. And haven't delivered as we as we forced as them we to. As we should have, yeah. Yeah. So that's that was that's that's the concern. And many people have witnessed someone pass away without getting their pension. And many people don't know how to, and they've seen it takes long to get a pension and so many problems altogether. So I think that's concern number one. I don't know. Look, I'm sure there, there are plenty of ways to say it, but that's concern number one everyone has had with the efficacy of the pension system and lack of communication. People don't get how much is the, in their money. What is their money actually worth? Yes. And that confusion with people not getting their money with a forced system has created a lot of anxiety amongst people. So that's on that problem specifically. I don't even know how to put this. Why? Because we want to look at why are you excited? Why would you want to make the draw? And I think for me, away from the concerns that have been highlighted, looking at the fact that you have been burnt before, looking at the fact that you don't know which pension you've been seated with, so you don't know who to hold to task. So now that we have this that might be set in stone or is looking like it's going to be set in stone, the only thing we can do now is educate you based on as and when you're getting excited, what parameters can you put around this money that you so want badly to access? And I think one thing that you have mentioned, which is like a primary problem, is access to funding, access to finance. We don't have that. If you go to the bank, you'll find that the interest rates are ridiculous. That's if you actually manage to get yeah. the financing in the first place. So if you actually have this money that you have access to and it's yours, you want to get excited. But then at the same time, you want to have it in the back of your mind that you're borrowing from your future. And I think you have mentioned that time and again, saying every time you you are you are spending or you you overspend, just please bear in mind that this it's it's almost like you're you you're carrying forward this particular burden when it comes to your money. And now that we're going to be actually borrowing from your retirement, you need to pay back this money with interest. We had this conversation earlier. So you want to know what the current size of your investment is or your, the current side of your pension balance is before you can actually get excited. That's exactly. the first thing that you want to do. And I've taken people through that exercise. Yeah. We built, um, we took, we went, we actually sat down with the team at NAPSA and asked them, teach us how you calculate this. And I've done, I've actually done it for people. I've done the, the, the real value calculations and I've done it for people to check their current balances, everything. So I was actually thankful for them to actually taking me through that so that I could actually now go to my client book and go to them and say, now let's go through, let's calculate what it's worth. And a lot of people, when I showed them, this is how much you put in, this is how much it's worth. A lot of people have seen their money three times and they're like, okay, yes. yeah, maybe I should keep it here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, 
I think that's been the mistake. Not showing people the current value of their pension often is what deters them from keeping it in there because mm-hmm. the 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 growth is what incentivizes an investor yes. to keep their money yes. in an investment. So you will find that the principal you're putting in is quite minimal. Yeah. But the current balance or or how you're making this money, even you can't comprehend it. For for starters, you're going to sleep and there's a fund manager that's managing these funds on your behalf. Can you take up the risk? of managing your own money with the stability that NAPSA has to ensure that you have that money seated in that account. It's growing at a very progressive rate and you will have access to it when you retire as compared to when you take it, can you handle the risk of actively managing your money? So that is something that we want to think about. Not that you shouldn't get out your money, but can you comprehend the risk of actively managing your own money? On this main issue, I think whether somebody should take out money or not is always the it's always a sticky situation because each person has a different acumen each person has a different way and I and you know everybody should be understood differently. I think the only thing I've ever stood on is just make sure you're educated on your options, you fully understand what you're getting yourself into. Definitely. Because there are many people and not even NAPSA, I've seen this in the occupational pension. From 2016, when we passed the law that um, withdrawals were now tax-free, a lot of people have withdrawn their pensions and burnt through them. A lot of people, and they're they're standing there worried now. Now that they've now that we're six, seven years since the passing of that law, and now they're getting closer and closer to retirement, and they realize they've just they just nailed what they were supposed to use uh, to go into that. So it is it it is something that can happen, but it just requires a lot of education of people about what their options are. And also understanding how money works. Yeah. What is the purpose of having money in an asset? What is the purpose of it for? And that's where financial goal setting comes in. And also having a, a, a already a plan with money. Before you receive money, have a plan for money. Because once, you, once money hits your hand without a plan, money is a very funny thing. Money goes, Money likes traveling to people with a plan. So it leaves the hands of the people without a plan to go to the hands of the people you will with suffer, a plan. It, it, you will suffer spontaneous spending at some point. You'll find out when it comes in and that's when it comes to setting up a plan, you also want to tie your money to an objective. Exactly. Because if even if you start investing or putting it in, in, in a place or in assets or anything like that, without tying an objective as to why that money is seted in that particular asset or in that particular investment vehicle, you can easily liquidate it because there isn't an objective tied to it. So the money that's seted in your NAPSA is tied to the objective of retirement planning. And this is why for a very long time or anywhere in the world, you've seen that people don't have access to that money. Why? Because the objective is retirement. You retire, you gain access to this money. So now that you are introducing another objective, to this money that was set for your retirement, what other objective are you going to tie to the money that you're withdrawing or else it's just going to suffer spontaneous spending? So you you always want to weigh, you always want to weigh, where am I going to put my money? What is it for? For instance, if you want to set up a business, that's not an objective per se, but if you want to come up with an active uh, source of income or cash flow of some sort, if you're starting this business from scratch, you need to understand that that's a risk. That's high risk. Businesses are high risk. So if you're going to go out and gamble your money into this new business venture that you feel you're passionate about, what happens when 
you deplete those funds. What happens if this business doesn't take off? Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the fact that you drew money from your future self, your 60-year-old self, to put this money and gamble it into a business that might or might not work? So even in businesses, you want to make sure that you've locked down the loopholes. You know that you've done your feasibility tests on it and you understand that this business is actually viable. Why? Because this is not money that you can gamble with, really. So I take this a different way, mainly because I just maybe I just like being a rebel when it comes to this stuff. But I take it a different way. I, I believe that strongly that human beings are very emotional. We like to pretend we're logical, but what we do is we feel first and then we rationalize our feelings afterwards. Yes. We look for information that validates our feelings afterwards. And that's the way we are. And I've accepted that I'm like that. But you're like that. Everyone's like that. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's really just what we all struggle with. So what I've learned when it comes to long-term planning and whether people can make a decision about long-term versus short-term is that every objective should not only, you shouldn't just have an objective. You need to have an objective you are emotionally invested in, an objective you, you feel really strongly about. Because if you have an objective you feel really strongly about, like the like say, you desperately do not want to retire destitute. Maybe you've seen it somewhere in your family. You've seen it in your life. And that image is painted in you. And it's almost like a scar. You will do whatever it takes to not end up like that. And if I put NAPSA money in your hands and you have a clear objective to not end up a destitute, your only focus is where do I put this money that I don't end up in destitution? So what I always tell people is have an emotionally gripping goal as a person. Because absent of that, absent of something that has to do with the fulfilling of your life, something purpose-driven. Yes. I mean, people don't want to have that conversation about having a purpose-driven life. It helps you narrow your decisions down to things that are going to better you, especially in the long term. Absent of that, you are most likely going to do emotional spending. I call it the chasm of frivolity. That once you have managed your basic needs, you've managed securing them. Everything you spend money on is emotional. Most people do not understand this. And I always tell people this, look, a Benz and a Vitz can go the same place, but you're paying more because of your emotional attachment to that brand and the emotions to the comfort or whatever it gives you. That premium you're paying is emotions. But the problem with things is they can only give you short-term bursts of emotion. So you keep spending and spending and spending. So if you do not have a long-term plan with your life, you don't have a direction where you want to send it, you are most likely going to end up like almost every lottery winner who has stumbled upon millions. And that's the unfortunate part of life. So before we start having the conversation about whether people should withdraw or not, have we taken care of people's abilities to plan their lives out correctly and to have long-term life and investment plans in place so that by the time they're putting money to work, even your salary, by the way, I even tell people this, you get a salary hike, what happens if you don't have a life plan? You just start buying more stuff. You start buying more stuff. You're not investing. So it's the same behavior even with people who get salary increments. It, it, there's a deeper money problem. And I think my other issue, which I am deeply worried about, is the amount of Zambian people getting swindled. The rise of scamming in this country and the rise of short-termism and people putting money into ghost investments where they've never even vetted these people. They don't do any due diligence. They've got no system of doing that. The moment you start putting withdrawals out, I can guarantee you the number of scammers that will rise on the internet will be a number you would, you would be shocked about. And in fact, it happens a lot, even in the US, by the way. 
when it comes to pensioners, there are lots of these timeshare property, all these, they take out a lot of these pensioners and they leave them with almost nothing. They take their pensions. Bernie Madoff took a lot of people's pensions on ghost investments. So that's why I'd like to say that everybody needs to have a very calm way of doing things. Reach out to as many people. Try and calm your decision-making process down so that you can actually do what you what is going to help your life. Because here's the reality about pension. Here's, and you are going to turn 60. That view that you're not going to make it to 60, you can forget about it. Sooner than later, actually. The average Zambian is going to, in by 2050, the average Zambian would be living up to 75. So after age 50, if you're saying, I want to retire, but that's 25 whole years of life. <laughs> just And you're not as energetic. You're not earning as much as you were earning. So you want to just fix that in your head. You want to make sure that assets are taken care of you by then, where your body cannot earn for you. Assets can earn for you. And assets in the form of, your financial assets, your property assets, and your intellectual property assets. These three things, your knowledge, your, your knowledge, your stocks, your bonds, your houses, those are the things that are going to take care of you. Because if you're going to say, maybe my children will take care of me, remember, your children are going into a, into a very unstable work environment, one. Two, your children are going to have student loans. Student debt is the scourge of the of the new generation who are coming out earning 5,000 kwacha with a 150,000 kwacha student loan that is compound earning 15% a year. And they're literally paying half their pay towards that. Where is a child going to be able to take care of their parents? Because that money is not, it's not the child who goes and gives that to the, the higher education. That thing's taken from them. So already, I would I'd really caution people against children being your, your retirement plan because the, the job market is unstable and school loans, uh, student loans are going to really rip them a, a hole there. Stu got his annual bonus and decided to invest it in a side hustle. He took his hard-earned cash and started giving out loans to people he knew and thought he could trust on his own. Weeks later, it was time for people to pay Stu back. But nobody paid him back and Stu lost all his money. Steve, Stu's workmate, also got his bonus and also decided to invest it. But he knew from before that he needed help doing so. Steve heard about Premier Credit's peer-to-peer -peer lending platform, how he could invest in pre-qualified loan applications from people that have proven they could pay back with interest. Weeks later, Steve still has his bonus and is now enjoying the interest payouts. You can invest smart like Steve too. So be a Steve and not a Stu. Visit premiercredit.co.zm and start investing today. Investments start from as low as 500 kwacha. Terms and conditions apply. We have spoken about how this might affect an individual from their paycheck, from their, from their own monies, and on an individual perspective. Can we look at the effect, the economic effect of these, with, these withdrawals? We do know that uh, NAPSA is the big gun when it comes to the capital markets. They invest highly and heavily in the capital markets. Are we going to see some form of instability in, the, in, in how this might turn out? So we're still waiting on some of the details when it comes to this. Remember the percentage that somebody is allowed to withdraw. They have put out the age that you can only start withdrawing at age 36 and you're only allowed one single withdrawal. So when you give people one single withdrawal uh, from age 30, just know that they're going to max it. Whatever the number is, they're going to max it. If you tell them 25%, they're going to max it. 
So NAPSA's investment portfolio will have to change. The reason I know this is once we made pension withdrawals tax-free in the occupational pension space, before that, pensions were holding about 30-40% stocks and long-term assets. After that, pensions started holding more bank deposits and short-term bonds, and they switched. So there was that recalibration. So will NAPSA start holding 15-year bonds? No, they'll probably start shifting closer to two-year bonds, uh, three-year, bo- uh, two-year, three-year bonds. They'll probably sit a lot of money in bank deposits and earning less. So even their earnings on their money will have to slow down now. That, that's what they're going to have to start doing. And their participation in risk investments such as the stock market. So IPOs may struggle because NAPSA is usually one of the strongest players when a new company gets listed. So if we're trying to say we want to raise money for the capital markets, deepen it and to help uh, people um, participate in the markets or do smaller businesses actually start to build and become that unicorn infrastructure we see in Silicon Valley. Absent of NAPSA, we don't have a major player to make sure that they underpin that. So that's where you probably see a bit more hesitancy in the market, a bit of a slowdown in the market in that kind of activity. So that's one thing. Now, if NAPSA is not going to be in the markets, uh, also pulling back and maybe depositing a bit more, you may find that bond interest rates might pick up as well a little bit because you can see the effects of them just hesitating a little bit, holding rates up. So if bond interest rates up, lending rates will stay up. So the same people who are saying that cost of capital is high may end up shooting themselves in the foot by creating an even higher cost of capital. So that's one problem. The second one is that also NAPSA keeps deposits in banks. And if they're withdrawing, the banks can no longer keep that money and make assets with it. So therefore, banks now are dealing with a slimmer pool of savings. And therefore, now they have to start pushing interest rates up, which then knocks on again. So you've got this double knock-on effect of higher bond rates and banks who have got slimmer savings pushing interest rates up. So there'll be upwards pressure on interest rates to SMEs. So unfortunately, the SMEs who are still saying we want to access that money will struggle again. A third one, which a lot of us didn't think about at the beginning is if NAPSA withdrawals happen and they're not used for business, okay? I'm, I'm putting this very clearly. If they're used for business, the productivity of the country goes up. That's okay. If they're not used for business and they're used for spending, it'll put pressure on the currency and it will put pressure on the price of things. The price of things will go up. So think about it this way. That's like printing money and just injecting it into the economy. Uh, into people's hands. And if people don't have plans for it, they end up spending and the very inflation they're complaining about will come back for them again. So this is what we have to be careful of. Higher interest rates and higher inflation can be the result of this stimulus that goes in. If it's not managed for business, if it's managed for business, it'll actually be very good for NAPSA. If it's managed for business, then people grow their businesses and then those businesses hire people. Then NAPSA was just investing in businesses so it could get back more contributors. So it's actually a good thing for them if this works out properly. Um, And in fact, it's in NAPSA's best interest to actually start pushing financial education for people so they can utilize this for business and even have business camps and things like that. The other part you also want to look at is that it's also in their best interest. It's also in the best interest of the economy. If we get more people more productive, mechanizing their plants and operating well, we get prices to come down. More production equals deflation. So that's a good thing. But if we don't handle it well and we handle it for spending, that's where the problem comes. Now, let's be honest with ourselves about what happens to people when they receive lump sums of money. Lottery, sports players, anyone. People have not got a good track record of doing things with money because you will not become something new. You will not 
money doesn't turn you into a genius with money. And I think for me that's scary honestly. If yeah. you haven't been doing this consistently, exactly. why all of a sudden do you feel you're going to have this exponential appetite to get into investments if you haven't been investing with a 500 kwacha, gaining access to 50,000 kwacha won't give you the appetite to do it. You want to learn, you want to know how the dynamics work, aka what you've said, have a plan before the money come in. So if you've already been doing it, what you're just adding on is consistency. It's already moved from being a duty, now it's a delight because now you're disciplined at doing it. Yeah. So do you actually have the discipline to handle this money? And I think that's something we should all, you know, be asking ourselves truly. So not not shooting down anyone that has like a different opinion from you you kind of want to have a conversation with yourself can i actually handle the money we had this conversation and i think we've heard it time and again how lottery winners visit them a year two years down the line the millions they want there's nothing to show for it you find footballers basketballers we've seen this time and again it's the same trend it's not a money problem it's a money management problem yeah. so it's not like you're lacking money can you actually manage the finances can you manage the money when it comes your way have you had that conversation with yourself are you competent enough to to manage your own appetites and also the emotions that you've highlighted so i think it's it's very little to do with the opinions that are running around myself and munyumba is inclusive but it's mostly to do with having a very realistic conversation with yourself saying am i stealing from 60 year old me i'm just going to put this Now now it's time for me to be bad cop for a second. <laughs> and I'm going to say this in the most simple way. When mon- when that money hits your hand, you have two options as to how this will end up. You will either be a shining example of how to manage money and we'll point our children to you and say, "Look at what happened. Got their investment and they did so well." Just like some people do with their parents' life insurance. Some some stories of parents' life insurance came they went and invested it well and they did well you will either be a shining example or you will be a cautionary tale either way i'm going to point my children at you either way so you choose which side of this spectrum you'd like to sit on because i always say to people this uh for joshua's generation to thrive in the promised land moses's generation had to die in the desert so you can pick which generation you'd want to be part of the Joshua generation or the Moses generation because they I know what I look everyone has the choices with their money everyone it's your money it's your, your choice money, and that's the thing and i personally believe that the government should not be legislating your financial decisions no. i actually don't even believe that but you should just know that your financial decisions will be your consequences even people who cheer you on and say yeah yeah god they're not going to be there the moment you spend your money I got a simple adage that I used to have a long time ago. It's easy to find 200 people to come and drink your free booze, but it's difficult to find 5 people to come and clean up the mess the next morning. So that's what you want to try and avoid. You there, there's So the mess is 60-year-old you. 60-year-old you, everyone will run away. Everyone who was there enjoying life with you will run away from you the moment everything is gone. And one thing just on that particular point one thing you need to understand is even as we speak even in the group of people that we have around a lot of people know how to multiply money yeah. they know how to make investments they're not going to have that conversation with you but they are going to have a conversation on how to spend your money 
Yep. They're not going to have a conversation on how to invest your money. Why? Because then they take that the privilege of spending your money away from you. So they're investing their money. They're spending your money. So you kind of also want to weigh what's going on in your circles. Are you around people that enjoy spending your money? Or are you around people that are actually going to tell you that this is what they're doing in the background? Because then 20 years from now, believe it or not, numbers don't lie. You will be able to see who invested and who spent the money. And half the time you find that the people that are closest to you are actually making these big money moves behind your back and you're out there spending and making all the reckless decisions. So you want to look out for yourself, really. We call retirement the great equalizer. <laughs> it shows who was faking it and who was literally making it. But look, I, 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 when it, I know that we've really harped on how strong this issue is. But I, I, I think that it's just a symptom of a far deeper problem because, like I said, we just came from a recent swindling scandal as well in this country, again, where loads of people were thrown into quick money thinking and they're trying to rush themselves out. And I, I had someone, I had someone who's actually lost 350k off it. Yeah, wow. that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. And I remember she called me because she's someone that's very close to me and she, she called me and... She's just there. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you this because then you were going to start telling me about how it's not possible to make, to duplicate my money in, they promised her seven working days. So she put in 350K. She was going to get out 650K oh. in seven working days. And her excuse is if I came to you, you were going to tell me to put it in bonds or put it this side where I was only going to make like 50% in like five years and i'm looking at her i'm like that's how it works there isn't any get rich quick schemes around proper regulated investment vehicles if it's not regulated you want to run your numbers and now she she withdrew or maxed out her village bank she borrowed from her employer she borrowed from the bank and the phone call that came to me at first was actually borrowing from me. She needed 50K for me because they wanted to make it 500K because they were looking to make 1.2. So imagine her and her husband combined all their savings and they borrowed and they put in this 350K. And now they have to liquidate one of their properties so that they can pay back everyone that they owe. It, look, it's, um, I'll give people a simple schematic. A lot of people, this is why I said... You must understand the principles of money before operating it. Money is a very, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, but a dangerous weapon and it can destroy a lot of people. Um, I'll tell you a simple thing my old boss once said to me. He said, uh, and, and I, I, I walked into his office demanding a raise once. And he said, I was like, man, I've worked hard and everything. And he said, Munyumba, I think you're a fantastic analyst. I think you're very good at what you do. I think there are very few people as talented as you. And I was like, okay, then why not? He said, you have not matured yet. I don't want this blessing to be your curse because sometimes the things we ask for can destroy us if we're not ready emotionally and, and, and mentally. And he said, that's what you're getting towards yet, but you're not there yet. And I, and I grappled with that. And then I understood that sometimes even with money, the money we pray for, it, it, it's, it's a reflection of our desires, but we haven't done any duty here to make sure that we're actually ready for like that to come. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for what's coming your way? So I give people a very simple schematic. Mm. I call it the four C's. Mm -hmm. Very simple that, that people can walk away with. And 
If anything, I would want people to remember this. In fact, anybody who's listening, write these, write these in the comments section so that we can see, so that you can see that you remember them. The four C's of asset selection, I've given them to everyone who's been through me. One, character. Does this person or does this institution, can they be verified? Can they be authenticated by a third party? That's the first thing you want to do. That's character. Are they consistent with sound money principles? And are they saying things that are consistent? Have they been consistent in their messaging for a while? And the third thing in character, this is character, is responsible. Because you want something something that's authentic, consistent, and responsible. That's a good character, even, even in a person. And responsible means if something goes wrong, have they shown that they compensate people? So you don't want to be a first-time investor putting money in something that, that has never gone wrong. You know that some people in like venture capital who invest in your business, they ask you, have you ever died a down year? No, I'm not putting money in your business because I, I want to see how you come out of this. So that's first C is character. The second C is consistency. Have they been making these payments and have they been growing money by X amount for at least five years? If you're a first time investor and you haven't invested much and you've got less than 100,000 put into something, you need things that have got at least a five year track record that you've been investing in. They must be consistent. The fourth one is credibility. Are they telling you a credible, logical story that you can tell another person without looking foolish? You have to be able to say it to another person and it can make sense. Without okay? trying to justify it. Exactly. So it has to make sense. Um, so if it can't make sense, minimize all these things. Are also a, a caution for you to minimize your exposure. Um, if you're going to try a new asset out that hasn't been tested, hasn't got character, put less than 5% of your money in it and be prepared for it to go. And then the final C is credentials. Do they have third-party credentials? Are they registered under an industry? Are they registered under an entity? Are, are they, they regulated? Are they? Re and the key one is, are they regulated? Um, I say this when people talk to me about peer-to-peer -peer lending. I said, go for the ones that are under at least and, and they're in the sandbox. They're in the sandbox because at least regulators have some sight over what's happening in there and they have to prove that. So you'll see that they, they, they are something you'll notice. So go for things that are regulated when you're first trying something. So the four C's people, so write these for me, character, consistency, credibility, credentials. If you make your decision according to that, you are less likely to make a FOMO decision because that's where people rush in. They use FOMO, they use urgency, they use emotional desire. People will market you. What people don't understand, I keep saying this to people, is watch any advert on TV or anywhere. You'll notice that they keep showing you emotional imagery first and only for about like five seconds in the ad, they're showing you the product because that's what that you are an emotional being. So to arrest your emotions, you need principles and processes that you follow strong. So that's why I try and give people that because my worry, like I said, when this money hits, we we will struggle when it comes to the amount of swindling acts. It will be emotional driven. And also yeah. because of the excitement, the, the excitement will play a high and pivotal role where you come in just because you have access to this money. And I think we've seen it even... Uh, in places like Village Bank, uh, I'll speak from a woman's perspective, or oh, there are some men that are in Village Banks. When you've got access to so much money, you get excited just because you can get it. But then when you take it home with you, you have no plan for it. So it's subject to abuse. And then you find yourself, um, you know, using it or using it towards expenditure instead of, you know, 
either putting it somewhere where you're able to get a return or anything like that. But the problem is that debt is not going away. You still have to pay it back. So when you haven't had access to money and it's given to you, you will abuse it. It's subject to abuse. Exactly. It's subject to abuse. It's almost like the reason why our employers don't pay us 12 months prior. It's going to be abused. So they would rather regulate it and tell you, I'm going to be paying you on a month by month basis because then I understand that you've got bills to settle if I pay to, pay to you on a month by month basis. If I paid you six months or 12 months prior, guess what? You will swindle it. And then in month three, you don't have transport to come back to work. So you always want to understand that this is, like you said, emotional based and you want to manage your excitement. You want to sit down, take two steps back, understand that it's your money. It's not going anywhere. It's yours. Take it in. Look at it. It's my money. And because it's your money, you want to make the most rational decisions. What happens if this money is no longer here? What happens if I deplete this funds? What happens if I put it in a business that goes wrong? What happens if I put it in a get-rich-quick scheme? What happens to my money? It's your money. And that's why you need to take very good care of your money. You need to be very responsible and you need to be highly accountable because you can't go on shifting blame. You can't go on and say, no, this person sold me this Ponzi scheme or whatever it is. They, they sold me something that I did not understand. You're shifting blame. You're shifting blame from yourself, from a terrible money decision that you made. Why? Because you want to find someone else to blame. No, it's your money. You need to be accountable for every decision that you make. And you need to understand that for every decision made, the consequences to it, good or bad, you will have to live with them. It's your money. No better way to take care of your own money. Grant Cardone said something very simple. He said, why does the government take your money from you before you do? He said, because the government doesn't trust you. <laughs> so he treats himself. Yes. He says, always take your money away from yes. you. Yes. <laughs> because if the government doesn't trust you, it's with reason. It's with reason. They don't trust you to go and make your own tax payments. So they just take it they away from you. They just take prior. Yeah. So it, you, they know that. So and I, that's I why the NAPSA was there. They had taken, they're telling you it's for your retirement, but they're not going to allow you the luxury of taking the money to them. They're going to take it beforehand and they're going to penalize your employer if they don't pay you because they understand that the human nature is you want to pay everyone by but yourself. And that's why we call it pay yourself first. So we have had this conversation and I hope that it's been very helpful for everyone that has had doubts. Please bear in mind that it is your money, but the best thing you want to do is you want to take care of your own future. You want to put in proper, proper measures to ensure that you're not abusing your own future and you're not putting yourself in a terrible situation a few years from now because 60, 55 is coming sooner than you know. We have to look at what are your thoughts the next coming months in, in terms of economic foresight. Okay, so we're going to start seeing a few results. Coming in, we're going to start seeing some results uh, probably from about Zambief and from Zambia Sugar. These are some of our big guns, especially in agriculture, because then we're going to see how has this agri export been doing. Uh, so that's what I'm going to be looking out for over these next few months, um, especially going into uh, December. That's the closer one. Then these next two bond auctions, how are they going to play out? Because you do have a lot of pension funds who are going to be sitting on cash that they need to now deploy. Uh, before the end of the year and are they going to do the final market move because you always find at the end of the year pension funds like to push in a lot of market activity now obviously it being festive season um, there is a lot of spending that might push prices up but black friday 
and there is that. <laughs> but one thing I always want, uh, I say to people is, I think this, the weaker rand might play in the favor of the consumer around this festive season. Because a lot of our, remember, a lot of our consumer goods that we import come in from South Africa. And th- that weakness of their currency is going to help keep prices low. And also the Japanese, the Chinese yuan is also at the lowest it's been as well. It's also losing a lot of value. So these two currencies make up almost 50% of our imports as a country, um, especially our non-oil imports. So that's a huge chunk of them. So those are going to be your Black Friday products. Those are going to be your end of year products. Those are going to come into our countries with much lower uh, exchange rates uh, coming in. So that means the price of those things imported probably would come in a little bit cheaper. And then also to help Black Friday, we are on an economic uptick. So you do find that a lot more, there's this job growth that is starting to happen in the economy. You have manufacturing going well and you have businesses starting to clock growth. So because of the growth and everything we're seeing across the board, we are we are probably now going to go into quite a, a, a better Black Friday than the one before, even though globally, um, the, the Black Friday or Amazon Prime Day, as they like to put it now, those are not going to be great. They've said they're going to be slower than before. Uh, but that's from their perspective as a business. But for Zambia, who has had really uh, stable inflation on a growing uptick, and the two import sources we have have got slower, um, have got slower, have got lower uh, exchange rates, that might help us. The only worry I have, and probably going, this may not be immediately manifested, is meat prices. It's one place I'm, and especially festive season is the time where meat is consumed at very high rates. Globally, we're going to be going through questions about the future of the meat market. One is Brazil, for example. The new president is environmentally conscious, so he's going to start cutting down how much land people can use for, utilize for cattle ranching. And if you look at the Brazilian prices of meat versus the Zambian prices of meat in the time when we had 24% inflation, that was actually one of the key drivers because we import 30% of our 30% of our imported meat comes from Brazil as opposed to Botswana, who's next door. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> that's a story. conversation for another but day. But the key point I would say is there, is there is some food inflation that might pick up, but it does look like inflation is tame. It does look like this is the time to start making your end-of-year investment decisions. Start planning out a 2023 where there are two scenarios. Zambia is growing, but we seem to be insulated from what's happening around the world, that our inflation is, is, is contained our PMIs are going positive and our and our growth is good. That might be a good time to start making a lot of your longer term investment decisions. For now, there is a potential global recession that might pin down on copper costs, but you still have strong EV demand for that. Otherwise, it it, it all actually still looks quite strong in the outlook. Um, as I said, it all still looks very strong in the outlook. And I'm optimistic when it comes to this that I'm even starting to look at, OK, now where even in the stock market are the opportunities and this is a time you probably see a lot of dividend paying stocks and so forth starting to get themselves together and a lot of investing activity is happening so that's my outlook that i am keeping in the back of my mind but there's a central bank interest rate decision also happening in a few weeks time that is going to be a, a big one but i doubt the central bank is going to raise interest rates they're trying to stimulate economic growth while inflation has remained tame so there is no there is no reason for the central bank to now come in and start raising interest rates where there is no inflation when the tool they're using is the exchange rate. So all the central bank just does is that when they see the exchange rate rising too much, they offload some dollars. So they've, they've chosen to use the exchange rate the way they use the interest rate. 
to control inflation through controlling imported inflation as opposed to trying to handle what's happening um, through the interest market. And they found it more effective actually to control inflation through the exchange rate itself. So I see the, I see the central bank holding back on an interest rate hike and the interest environment continuing through the end of the year. Uncertainty is on the horizon, at least for our debt as a country until either end of this year or quarter one next year. So you heard it first, you heard it right here on the My World Podcast with myself, Leah Pambewe, and the brilliant and brilliant and absolutely brilliant Munyumbam Toilet. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Make sure to comment in the comment section about what it is that stood out for you and also the question of the day. What are the four C's? What are the four C's? Remember, always use the four C's just to give you a bit of context. Always use the four C's before you get into whatever investment vehicle that is being sold in front of you. Use that as a perimeter to, you know, ask the hard questions. Ask the hard questions. Whoever it is that's selling to you or whatever financial institutions is coming your way, always put them in the four C's brackets so that, you know, at least you can sleep well at night. It's your money. So take responsibility of it. If all else fails, binge watch season one to eight of Hustle to see how easy it is to lose your money. (laughs) Okay. And that is, you know, a recommendation on a series (laughs) or a documentary, something that you can look at to manage your money better. American greed. American greed. Yeah. Okay. Have yourself a beautiful day and thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been My Wealth Podcast brought to you by Premier Credit Zambia. You can find them on their website, premiercredit.co.zm. Their Facebook and LinkedIn handles are Premier Credit ZM. And also remember to follow My Wealth Podcast on Facebook on the Facebook handle My Wealth Podcast. See you next time.